Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. And now 102.3 F. NBC News Radio, I'm Brian Shook. A foot of snow will likely blanket Boston, while areas of Cape Cod could see two feet by the end of the weekend. The National Weather Service in Boston says they expect significant snow and wind across the eastern portions of Massachusetts and in Rhode Island. Retiring Supreme Court Justice Stephen Breyer is getting high marks from President Biden. Speaking at the White House, Biden commended Breyer for a remarkable career in public service. Justice Breyer announces his intention to step down from active service after four decades on the federal bench and 28 years on the United States Supreme Court. Biden said the 83-year-old liberal justice is a brilliant legal scholar and a beacon of wisdom on the U.S. Constitution. Three Southeast Texas police officers are expected to be okay following a shootout. Houston Mayor Sylvester Turner told reporters he was able to talk with the cops at the hospital hours after they were wounded this afternoon. Turner says he's proud of all HPD officers because their job is pretty dangerous. COVID-19 cases among children in the U.S. have reached the highest case count ever reported since the start of the pandemic, according to the American Academy of Pediatrics. The Omicron variant contributing to the rise in cases and two factors combined are leading to the dramatic increases. We know that children make up a much larger percent of unvaccinated people. In, um, and second is that the this particular variant is just so much more contagious. Dr. Lee Bierce, immediate past president of the AAP with a reminder that children five and up are eligible for the vaccine, noting one in 10 kids in the U.S. have tested positive since March of 2020. I'm Dina Kodiak. Auto industry experts are predicting a big financial hit if the interest rate is increased. NBC News reports if the Federal Reserve does raise the rate, the industry could see a $22 billion loss in sales. You're listening to the latest from NBC News Radio. Attention Medicare recipients and anyone turning 65. Medicare has approved new benefits not included with original Medicare and older Medicare Advantage plans. You may not be getting all of the benefits you're entitled to, including in-home aids, telephone appointments with your doctors, home-delivered meals and prescriptions. These benefits may be available and it's a free call to enroll. The new plans may also offer free eyeglasses, free hearing aids, free wellness visits, and gym memberships. Call the Medicare Benefits Line now. It's easy. Call 800-518-2281. 800-518-2281. Find out if you're eligible for new benefits like meal and prescription delivery, in-home aids, and telemedicine. Some plans may have a $0 monthly premium or zero copays for big out-of-pocket savings. Not all Medicare Advantage plans are alike. The new plans have more benefits for many people. Call 800-518-2281. 800-518-2281. Eight hundred five one eight. 
1-800-222-2281. Senior Septic in Ontario says your blood donation could save the life of a child, an elderly person, someone who's been in an accident, or the victim of a fire, flood, tornado, or other natural disaster. Give the gift of life and donate blood today. This reminder, courtesy of Senior Septic in Ontario. They're the professionals serving the area with quality, integrity, and dependability. For service or an estimate, call Senior Septic at 909-223-8366. It's time to make the Tri-City Center in Redlands a regular part of your weekly shopping experience. Tri-City is home to a wide assortment of quality businesses, including the all-new Ocean Aquatics. Check out their variety of exotic tropical fish along with fish food, accessories, and tanks of all shapes and sizes. The Tri-City Center is located just off of Alabama and the Tennessee exits in Redlands. Visit the Tri-City Center today and find out why it's called the Mall with a Heart. Medicare Clarified. Hi, this is George Litchfield with Litchfield Insurance Associates. Well, it's getting close to that time of year again where you want to make sure you're getting the most out of your Medicare plan. There are exciting new plans for 2022 with United Healthcare, SCAN, and others. For your no-obligation review, people are calling 951-314-1949. If you're turning 65, new to the area, or losing group coverage, and have questions about Medicare, you are invited to our new offices and resource center at the Sundance Corporate Center, 835 Highland Springs Avenue, Suite 305 in Beaumont. For your no-cost Medicare consultation, people are calling 951-314-1949 to get their Medicare clarified. K-C-A-A. Live and in color from the NBC News Radio Broadcasting Studios of KCAA, 10.50 a.m., 102.3 FM, and 106.5 FM, located in beautiful Southern California and in parallel from the Turfs Up Radio Studio in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Thanks for tuning in to The Water Zone Show this evening. Hey, good afternoon and good evening to wherever you are in the United States and around the world. Welcome to The Water Zone. I'm Rob Starr, along with the famous infamous great guy i know mr chris davy how are you chris splendid today thank you rob i appreciate you uh asking as well just a quick note on the wind the windstorm we had here last friday for many of uh, oh, yeah. our listeners who may not be aware just an unprecedented windstorm in southern california especially up by the uh foothills of the uh, mountains here in southern california 80 mile an hour winds and i am paying the price with downed limbs and uh, trees and fence and a storage shed that ended up in, uh, you know, the next city over. <laughs> I, I see your limbs. They look pretty good to me, but uh, that, that must have been a holiday experience. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here till Thursday. So I want to welcome uh, this. <laughs> it's funny. I'm sorry. I can't stop laughing. This is Chris Austin, who's the purveyor of Maven's Notebook, who comes in and does our California Water News. Hi, Chris. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing okay. And boy, I'm glad I missed that 80 mile an hour wind, boy. 
We used to get it out there in Santa Clarita. It was so, yeah. don't mind well, that. The, the, the biggest thing that happened, in, well, a lot of Christmas things happened at Christmas house, but but he sent me a picture of his shed that he had. <laughs> that thing was like sticking up 90 degrees. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh yeah, good. man. No fun. Of course, you no. know, what, what I will miss is that we lived on a hill in Santa Clarita, and when it rained on garbage day, all the garbage cans would flow, start flowing downhill, down in the gutter. They just all sort of like, match up and keep on going down to the bottom <laughs> of the hill. So, <laughs> you just look out and all of a sudden you see like row of three garbage cans. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Chris, I knew a girl who lived on a hill. One leg longer than the other one still. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think Chris and I should keep our, our day job. <laughs> might be easier. So tell us what's going on in the world of water. I, I, I had read an interesting article about uh, we're going to see fewer California vineyards coming up. Yeah, you know, or that's what they're predicting or suggesting because, you know, there is a lot of uh, grapevines all over the state. And, uh, I mean, I, I actually, I, I haven't looked at the statistics, but Grapevines have got to be up there in terms of acreage. Um, probably they all are probably more almonds, but I'm sure grapevines are a, a you know strong second there. Um, I haven't seen the statistics, but you know, there are a lot of grapevines growing around. And you remember a while back, California wine was actually you know really sought after, but um, you know, markets are changing. And uh, and also, you know, we have these issues here, like in Napa, with not only water issues, but wildfire um, and, and other things, you know, climate change impacting these great, these vineyards. So, you know, the general thought is that we're going to have to reduce, you know, the acreage of grapevines. What's interesting, too, is at the very end, it points out now that the average uh, age of uh, the median age of wine drinkers is 65. So they also, yeah, you know, surprised. But they're saying, you know, young people aren't uh, necessarily picking up wine like, you know, the older people do. So, you know. Well, they're, going, they're going back to bourbon and scotch and gin and all that. Hey, pandemic, sure. man, vodka. You know, yeah. What? yeah, so, you know, it's an interesting article. I think, you know, the general thing is going to be that uh, I think overall in California, in some areas, uh, there's going to have to be less agriculture um, just because the, there isn't enough water. I mean, the San Joaquin Valley, very rich and productive farmland, but not all of it's going to be able to make it through groundwater management. So, you know, it's um, the, the story of, of what's to come is, you know, some, some land being taken out of production. We, we uh, argue about, or, or a lot of people try to figure out how much that's going to be for when it comes to groundwater management and implementing these plans. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see. 
Yeah, because I know the industry is talking about that they want to grow up to four billion by 2027, and if they start stopping the wine business, that's gonna that's gonna hurt dramatically. You know, it it water is kind of like money in a bank account. You know, you can you can only go to deficit funding, you know, or deficit water for so long. It you know, water is not an infinite resource. No, so. that's that's very true. So, but on the other, you know, on the other hand, uh, our weather here has been quite beautiful up here in Chico, between the state's two largest reservoirs. We've had wonderful balmy days and seventy-five degrees, really lovely, um, and no rain. <laughs> And this is, you know, this is the thing. It's happened before, and I said it, you know, weeks ago. It, you know, it all that precipitation in December was great, uh, but if it stays dry from January on out, you know, it's going to be, uh, you know, hard gumming in the summer. But, but you know, it only takes a few big atmospheric rivers. To, to make it up. So, it you know, we shouldn't give up all hope, but, you know, there we could still get a, another atmospheric river or two, and that could really help out. But we need to start getting some more precipitation. And there was great hope that next week we were going to get some, but now that forecast has changed. I think if we get all the radio stations in the country to play the song Crimea River, maybe that would help. Uh, yeah, I don't no. know. <laughs> <laughs> that wouldn't work either. But I, I've got, uh, I've, all kidding aside, I know uh, California's got got some new regulations that came in place for the uh, drought restrictions and uh, on the 18th of this month they kicked in. And uh, how yeah. do you think that's going to You know, I, I don't think it's going to change a whole lot because basically they're just putting into regulation, you know, don't be a bonehead with your water use. You know, like, it, it always surprises me. One of them is don't, you can't wash your car without having a stopper on your hose. Like, who goes out and washes their car with just a hose and lets that hose run for all that just run out? Yeah, I mean, who does that? But now you there's, can't there's do that. Lots of people that do that. Okay, I'm sorry. Hope I don't offend any of our listeners. But to me, you know, that's just, you know, common sense. And, uh, you know, they don't want you to water your lawn on the day that it rains or two days after. And for a lot of people they who now have these weather-controlled irrigation systems, you know, that's, that's done. But yep. it does give local authorities the ability to issue fines if they feel they need to for someone who's being, you know, excessively wasteful with water. I think, that's, you, yeah, I think that's a great idea. They should they should keep that keep their thumb down on that. I mean, you know, even though you know December was predicted to be a dry month, right? If you remember, and we got all that rain. January predicted to be another wet month, and look, it hasn't rained. Hardly at all in in January whatsoever. But still, if you read the blogs, uh, uh, listen to the news, we still haven't met Governor Newsom's voluntary 15% um, water reduction either. So you know we're off the mark. Still, 
Yeah. Even with, I was gonna say, even with the smart controllers that California supposedly says we need, everybody needs. Do you think we need to put in place the um, the rain sensors as well? Because there's some control, there's some controllers that when it rains, you have to really just go out and turn it on for how many days you want it off. I mean, uh, you know, we're not like New Jersey where it's we're in there and there's other states that regulate you have to have rain sensors. Do you think we need to do that? Since we have smart controllers. Yeah, I think I think we we do, or we need to have people who are aware and understand their irrigation systems. And, you know, a lot of people move into the house and they have this mysterious box over there. But, hey, you know, the lawn sprinklers turn on. Okay, so, I, you know, out of all the things you need to do when you move into a new house, probably digging into your irrigation controller isn't one of them. And, you know, things like... Uh, sprinkler heads getting broken off. You know, actually down in Southern California where most people have gardeners, you know, if the sprinkler head's broken off and it's gushing, you just tell them and they replace it. They probably did it when they ran the lawnmower over the, the grass. So it's not a problem. But, up, you know, like I've seen up here, the sprinklers gushing and, and I don't think the homeowner has a clue what to do, you know. Or, well, I know Mr. Da- I, I know Mr. Davy has a product that would take care of that. Yeah, yeah, we do. So Chris, I think you're absolutely right. A lot of homeowners think it's it's like you know it's not like a second nature thing for them to think about their irrigation system. It's pretty much leave it alone because they're not familiar with it. They 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 don't bother to check it and keep track of it and all that kind of stuff. And I think that's probably one of the things that's going to change over the next few years or or during a time where water restrictions become more prevalent in our daily lives, people will be forced to pay more attention to it and learn more. You agree, Rob? Yeah, and especially, you know, people that have gardeners, how many times do you see, and Chris, you've been in the business a long time, long, way longer than me, but but I see, I see lawn maintenance people come, they never check the irrigation system. They never turn it on and see if there's anything yeah. wrong. They just clean up the place. That's that's another issue. Yeah, you're right. Although you can you can say, hey, that sprinkler head's broken, and they'll fix that. But uh, yeah. but no, they don't. They're not checking the patterns. You're right. You know. So. Well. So the I, I saw I saw one of your articles that was interesting. I thought uh, Mr. Davy would like this about the uh, California Representative Jared introducing the bill uh, about restoration for the salmon and habitats. I did see but, that. Um, yeah. I think yeah. it would be since you're a good angler. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, uh we'll we'll see how it goes, but you know, there there's a lot of good things and there are a lot of, you know, we we really do need to take care of our salmon and take care of our habitat. So, you know, he's got some things in there. I don't remember exactly what it is. Let's see if I can look look at it, but um <clears throat> Well, I know yeah, you're talking about some of the salmon swimming up the uh, rice field. <laughs> yeah, so it wasn't. I didn't see anything too contentious uh, in there. But and Rob, I appreciate the vote of confidence. However, the sport is still called fishing and not catching. Oh. oh. <laughs> and and also, you know, we we should we should dispel the myth here. I know that that headline about salmon swimming in the fields, uh, uh, you know, makes it. It's a provocative headline, but um, we need to actually say, no, they're not 
swimming in the fields like of rice when there's no water there. <laughs> they're, they're using the the rice fields after the rice is harvested. The, the farmers Farm put water, water on the on the ground to uh, deteriorate the root of the last year's crop, and they found that putting salmon on those fields is really beneficial for the salmon. Uh, but yeah, some people actually kind of picture salmon, you know, in a field of like green plants, and no, it's not like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that begs the question: Do you do you like rice with salmon or salmon with rice? So you got to think of it that way. Well, you know, they have the one of the uh, names for the one of the early projects uh, looking into this. They called it the Nigiri Project. <laughs> yeah, get it? Salmon is the salmon is rice, yeah. And and actually the rice that they grow up here in Northern California is sushi rice. Um it's the leading producer of rice in all those roles. So it was actually quite an appropriate name. So sticky rice. So this proposed ballot measure that some people have uh, been trying to circulate, it looks like it's not going to make it. Uh, it w the ballot measure would have set aside like 4% of the general fund uh, to fund water projects of all sorts, new dams, desalination, recycled water, conveyance, all sorts of things, uh, kind of written very broadly. And they've been really, the proponents of this legislation have been really working hard, but they are falling far, far short of uh, getting enough signatures or collecting money to, you know, push for these things. And the most of the money they've collected has been from Central Valley farmers and, and not a whole lot. So, um, you know, I'm not sure that's the way to go about uh, funding water projects, to be honest. So, you know, not, not that I'm having an opinion or anything, but, you know, um, Taking four percent of the general fund to do something is, you know, I, I don't think that's the best way to spend the public's money. I think so, uh, and it doesn't look like it's going to pass anyway. So we'll we'll see what happens. But um, I don't know. Everybody's looking at the money from the government now that uh, you know they passed the first bill and they want to spend it. Or, or, or have there been any announcements of the plans that California is moving ahead with any of those funding that they received? Oh, there's all sorts of, oh, I mean, yeah, we're gearing up here for, you know, spending money, money on climate resilience, money on infrastructure. They're having workshops because, you know, they passed the, the infrastructure bill in Washington, D.C. And some of that money is coming out here to California. And believe me, we're we're really looking at how we can use that money, you know, in the water industry for, you know, to fund needed projects. So does anybody know when that money's gonna be turned loose or have they started receiving some already? Um, I don't think they've been able to I don't think people have received it yet, but there are some programs that are geared up and already taken, you know, RFPs for, you know, for the program. So they have some early implementation stuff 
you you kind of if you're going to take a big bunch of money, you really don't want to just dump it all out there at once. And you know, you all all these projects have to you know have to be kind of you have to submit reports. You have to prove that you have a viable project. I mean, we just can't move really super fast on that because then there's just a, a lot of opportunity for fraud. So, you know, we have to be careful with how we spend that money. And it takes time, for one thing. Well, do, do you think that California wasn't geared up for this beforehand? They didn't know? They sat around waiting for somebody to say, hey, we're going to get money, so let's think of what we can do with it. There was a... Did you see that they had any plans? You know, oh, they've been kicking up in the last three years or five years. Believe me, believe me, people in the water and water projects, they got plans. Oh, they have all kinds of plans. And yeah, they're the gearing up. Uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, and in some ways, there we're very uh, prepared. There are some funding programs that are already in place. There are some federal ones like Proof, the Bureau of Reclamation. They have a, you know, they know how to issue grants. They have a whole process. You know, because you pass a piece of legislation and you say, here's the money that we're going to put on the table, right? But it's not like then the next day that money starts going out the door. That Someone has to get down and say, well, here's how we're going to spend this money. And they got to look right. at what they wrote. Who's, a, you know, who who's going to get it and how they're going to apply and it takes time to get that in place. Um, although some agencies are better at it than others, uh, but and they definitely need the, and they definitely need the oversight to that. As you yeah. said, they got to reports to make sure that the money is being spent on what they said it was going to be spent. Exactly. Um, but yes, when uh, as soon as this passed, the state water board had uh, a workshop to change their regulations because one of the things that's getting funding are these. Uh, state revolving funds. So they the federal government puts money in there and then there's like they take low interest loans that they can give out low interest loans and the money comes back to the fund and they can kind of keep turning it around and and uh you know to keep you know to keep money for funding for projects going out the door. So they were right on it and they they you know, are modifying their program so that they, you know, they, their, the regulations are all ready for the federal money. You know, it's all little legislative tweaks or, you know, regulatory tweaks to make sure that it all lines up. But yeah, so yeah, we're ready. Believe me. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of people out there that have plans that would, you know, and money for water projects is important because uh, it really speaks to keeping water rates affordable for people, and right. you know wh whether you know you're in a if you're in a disadvantaged community in the Central Valley or if you're in San Bernardino, you know keeping rates reasonable is a um, and affordable is a statewide thing. You know not everybody can afford to to spend a lot of money. So having the Funding these funding sources is important for affordability. Absolutely, absolutely. So, Chris, anything that uh, interested you? Yeah. So, I want to do is uh, ask about the uh, you know the snowpack levels, right? Usually, once a month we talk about this, Chris, like the 
you know, last show of the month kind of thing. So, I mean, what's the news on that? And by the way, let's put a plug in here again for Rob, myself, and you, Chris. If you have any connections to that annual press conference they do, they do when they go and do the uh, snowpack measurement, right? Stick that pole in the snow. Yeah. No. Man, let me and Rob know. We'd love to go up there and do a water zone uh, feature on that. Actually, yeah. you know, it's open to the media, and uh, there's a place you can go. I mean, this, they, they, uh, you know, they, they send out a notice. They're going to be doing that snow survey uh, next uh, next Thursday, I believe, February second. That Thursday or Wednesday. Um, so they're doing it next week. Yeah, and and yeah, I can I can hook you up with that. You can go up there. What's interesting is that, you know, this is where they kind of, you know, the guys go out to the field and stick the pole in and determine how much water is in the snow. Because it's it's not only how many feet of snow there, it's how much water is in that snow. And, <laughs> and Well, it's the moisture content of the snow, right? So how heavy yeah. it is per, yeah. per cubic foot. Um, and and then they can do an estimate of how much snow is in the Sierras and what the value, what the uh, potential value is to uh, reservoirs over the over the winter. Over yeah, the but but you know the 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 hard part is that you know they're standing out in the middle of the field measuring the snow at this one particular point. Yeah, and it's only one point, and the Sierras is a very huge huge place. And, you know, they take point measurements in different places, um, but, it's, you know, it's, it's not really very telling. And really, this whole big media show that they do to take this measurement at this one place, it's really just for the media. I mean, oh. the, 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 real, the real work is, you know, they, have, they actually have people at DWR that go out on a snow course on skis, like and and go to these remote places and take these same measurements. So yeah, if you're a skier, you have a really cool job with DWR. If you can imagine that. Um, and 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 then they have automated sensors all over the place. They have what snow pillows and uh, and other things, and they kind of, all this feeds into a network. Um, and they try to determine really how much water is up there. And it, it's very difficult to be accurate. Uh, yeah. Now, we have the um, airborne snow observatories, these NASA flights now right. that are going over the Sierras, and they can take a better accurate picture. So, you know, we may see uh, the, our snow forecasting uh you know, grow by leaps and bounds. And that's actually important, knowing how much water is up above the reservoirs so you can manage your reservoir, you know, and be be ready if there's, you know. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The combination of knowing how much snow packs up there and better forecasting 
of weather, in particular these atmospheric river storms, is going to allow us to be able to safely tweak the management of reservoirs so that we can store more water when we know there's not going to be a big storm coming in, um, or we can likewise, you know, know when we need to get water out of the reservoir because there is a big storm coming in. So yeah, keeping in mind also the transition between uh, between the uh, evidence that we've seen of a transition between a snowpack and actual precipitation coming in over the winter time with global war with warming, right, and warmer warmer winters. Um, more precipitation, yeah. less snowpack. So those are management tools that, that these guys are looking at also. Yeah, right. and really working to be able to determine this so we can do a better job. You know, most of these reservoirs have this dual purpose. They're, they provide water supply, collect water for water supply, but they also provide flood control. So you usually have to, what we would say, dig a big hole in, in you know in the fall to make sure they're ready for what comes in in the spring but you know all these things that they're working towards they're working on trying to to uh be able to forecast season to season be able to say we know what it's going to be like in six months or you know or or beyond but we haven't gotten there yet but we're working there working on it yeah. And we've had in the past some people from NOAA, some scientists, two scientists who were telling us about the, the algorithms and all the things that they do. So that's pretty interesting. Well, Chris, we're going to take our, our break, and then we're going to bring a friend of yours on the show who you know. Yeah, that's our your friend, Chris. Guest. So if you want to stick around, you're more than welcome to. Uh, no, i got to I gotta go cook the dinner. But, yeah, Susan's on my advisory board. So Yes, hey, we Susan. know. All right, so we're going to take Hi, a little Chris. break. Kristen, and, and uh, one, one thing uh, to tell everybody, uh, for those who are listening, go to www.mavensnotebook.com. It's the best place to get California water news. You can be a subscriber. You can be a sponsor. It's a great thing. It comes out on your computer every single morning, as it does on Chris's and mine, and we do appreciate it. So, Chris, thank you very much for joining us, and we'll see you next week. Okay, good evening. Bye, Chris. Bye. Have a good week. You too. We'll take a little break here for our sponsors, and we'll be right back with our featured guests. This is 1050 AM KCAA Loma Linda and 106.5 FM Yucaipa. They love you. They love you not. They love you. Satisfying your customers, it's a full-time job. Want an easy way to make them happy? Try having your ornamentals delivered straight to the job site with Nursery Direct. Could save you and your clients a pretty peony. Think about it, instead of driving to the nearest nursery, picking up the order, and then driving to the job site, the crew's able to begin work right away. That cuts time and labor. Savings you can pass on to your customers, and you can get your plants delivered direct, even if you don't have a nursery branch in your area. Here's another quick tip. Keep a substitutions list on standby for every project so your team knows what to do in case a plant isn't in stock because there's nothing customers appreciate more than a project that finishes on time and on budget. They love you. They really love you. Aww. Are you presently part of the irrigation industry as a worker or business owner? Do you want to learn how you and your staff can boost your knowledge and productivity? Then you should check out Irrigator Technical Training School. 
Irrigator Tech is the leading source of quality instruction serving all facets of the irrigation industry. Their courses provide a basic, easy to understand approach that raises the skill level, competency, and professionalism of landscape and irrigation personnel through practical education and services. Irrigator Tech combines classroom and real-life hands-on training, leading to a well-recognized certification that both customers and employers demand. Irrigator Tech specialized courses can help you quickly become a certified irrigation auditor or a certified installer, repair, maintenance, or backflow technician. Courses also include certificates in smart water application or becoming a certified tree worker. Most importantly, all certifications are state recognized and Irrigator Tech offers annual renewal classes to help keep your certification up to date. So whether you work in California, Washington, Oregon, Nevada, or Arizona, there's an Irrigator Tech class near you. For more information on how to jumpstart your career, call Irrigator Tech toll-free 866-614-1755 or visit them on the web at irrigatortech.com. That's toll-free 866-614-1755 and on the web at irrigatortech.com. K-C- a A But we do have Mr. Davey here to take his place. <laughs> I'm trying to try to mess him up a little bit, but uh, uh, he's, he he cracks me up. He's a, he's a funny man, and he's a great host of the show. And I do appreciate all the years he's been doing it. Thank you, Chris. I do appreciate that. Uh, anyway, yeah. we like. Yeah. You can try all uh, you want. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, we uh, we want to bring somebody on who's been on before, and this person is an awesome person, and uh, she's also a dear friend of Chris Chris Austin. And her name is Susan Longville, and she's a water policy analyst and has worked in the public and private sectors of California for decades, even though she doesn't look that. Uh, she looks she looks 29, but she says she's worked for decades. Mm-hmm. Susan retired from California State University, San Bernardino, in 2012, where she served as director of the Water Resources Institute for more than a decade. She was also appointed by Jerry Brown, and she served two terms on the Santa Ana Regional Water Quality Control Board. Susan decided to return to public service in 2014, building upon the two terms she served on the San Bernardino City Council. And she was elected to the San Bernardino Valley Municipal Water District uh, in 2014. Uh, The Valley District is a wholesale water agency that provides imported water uh, from the state water project to 800,000 residents for the San Bernardino Valley to augment local water supplies. Yeah, you know, Rob, there's a little bit more background on that, too, because Susan subsequently served as the board president. And now, as the senior member of the board, that group is, public, is focused subsequently on the completion of the Climate Resiliency and Adoption Plan and also the establishment of the Headwaters Partnership with San Bernardino National Forest. So Susan joined that board of directors uh, and of the Climate Center in 2021, pretty much to advance their mission of rapidly reducing climate pollution. At uh, scale in California, she continues to serve on the advisory board and as well, as you said, uh, on the board of Maven's Notebook as well, uh, and on the board of directors for the Infrastructure Funding Alliance. That's a ton of stuff, and I'm sure, Susan, that keeps you busy. I'd like to welcome you to the Water Zone. How are you, Susan? 
I'm wonderful. Thank you for inviting me again. It's been a number of years, but I try to mm-hmm. listen. Um, I, I I love to hear Chris when she does uh, does her water news update on the uh, on KCAA. Yeah, listen, Chris is such a wonderful addition uh, to the program. We love having her on every week, and it's great to have you here today as as well, Susan. So, you know, we always ask this question of all of the new guests that come on, uh, or all the recent re- repeating guests that come on the show, even, and that's you know, there's always story behind what got you into this business in the first first place. Like many moons ago, right when you first started, what was it that triggered the the uh, uh, you to get in this industry uh, many many years ago? You know, I was working in water policy at the University of Wisconsin, and we were we were you know doing some freshwater work on Lake Michigan and and uh, the Milwaukee River. But, you know, California was where the big stuff was happening. The Mono Lake just, you know, trust public trust doctrine decision had just been made. This was the place to be if you were a water policy analyst. So I moved on out here 36 years ago, and I've never left. Um, wow. Luckily, academia out here likes me and uh, and the private sector. So I've, I've uh, you know, this is like the, many of the rest of you. I, you know, I do this. This is what I what what motivates me. And well, as, and, as Rob and I, yeah, as Rob said earlier, you know, I mean, all of us are 29 years old. Let's uh, you know, let's get we all out. are we out on the table right now and <laughs> been in this industry yeah. for 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 many many years, as many as can be counted if you're 29 years old. But <laughs> you know, quite a background for for you, Susan. So kind of going backwards a little bit on the on the bio stuff we. Uh, uh, we get as a as a board member on the board of directors for the Infrastructure Funding Alliance. What what's that all about? The Infrastructure Funding Alliance really tackled the problem that that California communities faced after redevelopment went away. Um, you know, we, we need to fund projects in our communities that are multi that are multi benefit include water capture, um, green infrastructure, all sorts of things. So we have been the um, kind of the force behind the enhanced infrastructure financing districts in California. So that's a, and it's all connected. Everything is connected. I I can get, I always say, I, I can get a hundred people in the room in San Bernardino Valley and we can agree on all the good things that we would all like to do and could support one another in doing what we can, what we can agree on is how we're going to finance it. That's where the, where the, where the obstacles are and we need to do that. Well, you're you're part of the wow the wow force, which I call the women of water, and you do yeah. have a lot of <laughs> you do have a lot of force we, and knowledge. So, that, Twenty-five that, years ago, we called ourselves the water lilies. We used to say that when a male water buffalo died, a female water lily emerged out of the water. But now, <laughs> I mean, my agency, uh, you know, is led by a woman now, a woman who's not a a water engineer, but to scientists and an MBA. I mean, Heather Dyer is, you know, is part of this new generation of uh, water managers. And, you know, I think women bring, uh, you know, we, we bring, we, we bring our own uh, unique qualities and expertise. And, and I'm, I, we are doing I, the, the San Bernardino Valley Municipal Water District, like most wholesale agencies, we don't send bills to customers. We're kind of invisible. You don't really see us. Um, and so, it, you know, this district is really under her leadership. I mean, we've completed a strategic plan. 
you know, we're rolling that out. We're rolling that out through a strategic communications and an engagement plan. We're doing, as, as you read, a climate resiliency and adaptation plan. I'm going to work up in the headwaters because, you know, two-thirds of the water to our valley comes from the headwaters. And how the Forest Service doesn't have a much, enough resources and the ability um, to prevent, you know, the wildfires we know are coming, the post-fire flood impacts that are coming, all the things that come with a changing climate. So uh, it's a, it, you know, it, it, it's a different agency. We're looking at doing a brand refresh, you know, to really say more of who we are and what we do. Because, you know, municipal water district means nothing to the public, absolutely nothing at all. Um, I think the most exciting thing I have I can share with you that's public is that, uh, I don't know, a lot of people don't know that when Seven Oaks Dam was constructed, and, and Seven Oaks Dam is the Army Corps of Engineers, you know, dam to protect all of the Santa Ana watershed, Riverside, Orange County, all the way down to Disneyland, to Huntington. There are two dams on the Santa Ana River. There's the Prado Dam right on the border of, of Riverside and Orange County. And up right, in the headwaters is, is the Santa Ana, is, is, is the Seven Oaks Dam. And uh, more than 20 years ago, Valley District began, you know, working with the Corps to cite that in the right place. And we, and we applied for water rights with Western. And we actually have water rights to, uh, for direct diversion and groundwater recharge of up to 198,000 acre feet of water. Um, below Seven Oaks Dam, and we're still working with the Corps to realize and make that happen. But we've just acquired an incredible piece of property right next to the dam that had been slated for residential development. Probably close to 10,000 homes would have gone in on um, these 1,200 acres, and we bought it. And and we are going to uh, to build our uh, infrastructure up there. To actually do what we what we want to do, put this water to beneficial use when it's released, and also have have a real uh, you know a real public place to educate the public about our watershed, about the headwaters, and why we're protecting those, and then deal with climate. So it's 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 a it's a different the world it, the the water management agency is evolving, and I'm delighted to be at Valley District and be a part of it. Oh, Changed incredible. a lot. If, if, so if yes, you, but you know when we when we're ready to break ground, and I would encourage you to have Heather Dyer, this scientist MBA who manages our district, come and speak because she is 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 I think um, one of his great future water leaders. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, actually, Heather Dyer's on our list, isn't she, Ross? So, I'm, you know, yeah. you know we're actually looking at that. We did a feature, Susan, a while ago on... Seven Oaks Dam, including some snippets from a couple of the local news, uh, you know, um, LA uh, regional or LA-based uh, mm-hmm. news agencies. It was it was very very interesting. Um, Rob was part of that as well. Yeah. Yes, I. 
So, you know, I know you were appointed by, by Governor Brown, but suppose, suppose Governor Newsom decided to appoint you the czar of water in California. What would you think the top three projects should be? Well, I mean, obviously, you know, you know, we know that the overwhelming majority of impacts from climate change, you know, are going to be connected to water. You know, water, you know, to drought, to floods, to reliability of water supplies, to water quality, ecosystem devastation. And I mean, there's, if I, I mean, there's so much we need to do um, to, and, and also to be cognizant of the fact that in the U.S., you know, low-income communities and communities of color in urban and rural areas, they experience the greatest harm. So I, it's, uh, I wish there, I was, I was going to be alive, um, not for another 30 years if I lived to be for 100. I'd like to be alive for the next 100 years to see how we cope with the impacts that are baked in because of the carbon in our atmosphere. I mean, we know that there's nothing we can do before 2050 to, re to stem the increasing temperature. Nothing. I mean, many things we can do now that will change things after 2050, but this is going to be a hotter, drier, flashier weather system, um, and it's going to challenge all of our existing and future infrastructure to tweak it and make it, and you know, and make it work for the next century. So that's what I, that's what I would think about. Is why I read, um, you know, Kim Stanley Robinson's, you know, great new novel, Ministry. Ministry of the Future, you know, kind of looking at what's it like in 2050, what's it like in 2060, good to imagine it, and he's a good scientist. Yeah. I mean, I'd also recommend Neil Stevenson's, his book, Termination Shock. Again, helps us to comprehend what we're heading towards, because we don't learn from reports. We learn from storytelling. That's yeah. the reality. We learn from well, storytelling. So I, I spend a lot of time telling stories. To the uh, to, my, to 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 my residents, to young people, um, and, uh, and you know, and, and and I don't want them afraid. I don't want them to feel doomed. I want them to feel that they that their engagement um, is is essential, and everybody has a role. Awesome. You know, I I happen to live in a, in a city in Arizona that's the fastest growing city in the country. It's been named. And mm -hmm. to the to the west of us, uh, recently, I don't know if you've seen it on public news, but I know they presented it. Bill Gates and some investors bought up a bunch of land uh, a little west of here, same city, and they're looking to mm -hmm. build a hundred thousand homes here. And I know. and I wonder, I wonder what they're going to do about the water situation because it's getting tough even here. But you know they're thinking about raising the water rates and things of that, and then putting more restrictions in. How, how do you think that's going to stem in California? Is California going to see it? I know a lot of people are leaving California, uh, but, well, but there's, there's lots of industries that use water, lots of lots of agriculture. What, what do you think is going to happen in California uh, with agriculture in, say, the next 50 years? With agriculture or with development, you know, at our urban interfaces like you're talking about? I, I mean... Yeah. You know, there's the, the reason why I'm so excited about us acquiring this over a thousand acre feet, a thousand acres off by Seven Oaks Dam is that it's not the right place to put new homes. You know, there are better places to put new homes. And, and obviously, you know, we need, you know, we, we need, we need to, in our cities, 
to recreate communities that can house more families. I mean, we have to have both, absolutely both. But I, I think, you know, I, I, you know, obviously, you know, as the world's fifth largest economy filled with universities and, and, you know, and, and, you know, people in the public and private and the venture capital community, I think California's got the best chance for, uh, for, 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 for being successful than a lot of the rest of the desert Southwest. <laughs> I'm worried. Yeah. I am worried. I mean, every, everybody, everybody should be, but we've got to be optimistic. We've got to be hopeful. And if we're going to affect change, I mean, Valley District, one agency can't do it alone. We learned long ago, if you want to do something big, you have to go with all your partners and you have to do it together. You can't just say, look at us. We're going to, you know, look, at, we're going we're gonna to blaze our way through this and we're going to be successful. No, our whole watershed needs to be successful. And that's really what, what we're doing. I mean, we just applied, took all of the projects in our whole watershed to, you know, to go after federal funding through Withia, hundreds, over $100 million, million in projects so that we can, we have projects, read, projects that are ready for the infrastructure bills for all the federal money. And we have to help them because that, that's, that, that's the way we get, we get, we get to a more sustainability, a sustain, more sustainable future. We go together with our cities, with our farmers, with our environmental community, you know, and, you know, and with our federal and state legislators, we've all got to do, we've all got to be going in the same direction. That's how we get somewhere. Hey, Susan, Otherwise, you know, I think it's, I think it's, it's just absolutely awesome to hear, to hear your enthusiasm behind this, right? I mean, let's get back to that agent, you know, the responsibilities of the, of the water agencies. I agree with you on a statement you said a little bit earlier about you know, all these names about water agencies, you know, as a seven-letter acronym for a water agency that ends with, you know, WD for water district, right? To most people, <laughs> yeah. what, what, is, what does that mean, right? It doesn't mean anything yeah. except the cringe they get on their face when they get their water bill in the, uh, in and, the mail. And all the, so, and all the public does is look at all the places that they get taxed. I mean, they get their property taxed. We, 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 you know, we take, a, we take a pound out of their flesh. You know, they get their water bill for their for, for their water at their home or business. They get another pound taken out. Um, they look at they, they, they look at what the flood control district charges them for flood protection. You know, I mean, it's one thing after another after another. So that it, you know, we all have to we all have to pull together and look at how can we provide these public benefits in the most resilient and affordable way that's going to meet the challenges we face because they are real. And to and 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 to um, and, and to fail to act is only going to cause more more impact in the future when we're not ready. So it, it, it it's a it's a delicate balancing act, and it requires. As they said, everybody's got to work together. We've got to we've got to take this journey together. No one agency can take it alone. You know, we hear we hear on the news a lot about wealth redistribution. Do you think California or the United States will ever think about water redistribution and having bigger agencies give more water to little water agencies and spread that out no. differently? No. No, I mean, I, you know, our, you know, our water rights and are codified, you know, in the courts and with the State Water Resources Control Board. Look at the little issue. I'm sure you've heard about it. You know, I mean, you know, the, 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 the folks up in the San Bernardino National Forest 
you know, who have fought this incredible battle over Arrowhead Mountain Springs water and that special use permit up in the forest. Uh, right. You know, I mean, I, I, I mean, you know, the fact that the fact is, is, you know, you know, people fight back and they can be successful. Um, do, you so think, no, do, I, you think, do you think Arrowhead's going to prevail in, in uh, taking all that water and not paying back for it? Well, the administrative hearing officer of the State Water Resources Control Board right now is hearing the case, which is the, the cease and desist order that came from them and said, you have to cease and desist and you've only got seven acre feet a year that you can pull out of your horizontal well um, that you call spring water. But they believe they have percolating groundwater as well. I mean, and they have, I hate to say it, Blue Triton Brands, which you know is the successor to Nestle Waters in North America. I mean, they have, you know, they have dozens of attorneys in the room. This is going to go on a long time, but, um, but, but as I, but as I say, it, you know, we have to, you know, these, this is water is property. Rights are, are codified, you know, and I, I think the State Water Resources Control Board has modernized in a way that now we have administrative hearing officers who hear a case before it gets to the state board. They're getting to more things on their docket. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, uh, I know, but no, it's, uh, you know, uh, yes, I think what, what, what we will see through these groundwater sustainability plans is, you know, is that agencies have to change. They have to, and, and they have to figure out how they're going to do it. And they're all unnoticed. Now look at the state has rejected a bunch of their groundwater sustainability plans and said, there's nothing there. Come back and give us something real. So, I mean, there we can go after some of their water rights, but that's a slow and deliberate process. And it should be because those communities are fighting for their lives. I don't think they're fighting very wisely right now, but they'll get better. Everybody, everybody learns. I hate, you know, as I keep saying, saying everybody learns. That's if, I, if there's anything I've learned in my whole career, it's that everybody learns. And, yeah. you know, when we exhaust every, all the, all the alternatives that aren't so good, we finally do what we have to do. Do, do you think that, well, I, Chris and I totally believe that the water agencies over the last bunch of years have done a great job in, in public uh, intervention and, and teaching, outreach. teaching about water outreach and things of that sort. Um, do, you, do you think the media, the outside external media, does a lot or should do more? In, in educating people as well. Well, I, I mean, I look at I look, you know, look at the LA Times. You know, look at you know, look at look at all of the local newspapers. Where what is the one type of reporter that 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 they're all looking for? People who can do environment, climate, and water. I mean, at the public, the public's concerned. Yeah. So I, I think that you know we're you know we're 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 doing better. But, you know, it's like anything else. People have have they believe what they believe to be true. And sometimes it's not. And it's a slow process to get people to um, to, to learn new things. And we're still learning that. In fact, in your I mean, I've been working with you guys at Toro and on water conservation interests goes back to the 80s. The first landscape task force that was ever established. You know what? Right. I, what I think would California forward faster and i am uh, and i'm really disappointed is that the outdoor water efficiency standards are being held up 
and 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 I think that they're important. They're important that everybody basically has a is given a budget and says, you know, on your on your lot, which in this in this climate with this much irrigable acreage, this is your budget. As we know right now, we don't have that, and I think that will be a big game changer for the public. But you know, it's uh, we're dragging our feet. You know that. Well, and when we were fighting about the indoor standards for so long that now it's like the fight is moot because whether it was 60 or 55, guess what? The statewide standard is now down to 48. Wow. All because of, all because of technology and new homes. All because of fixing leaks. All because we've gotten better at it. But we have, are not there yet with outdoor, you know, the best and most, you know, the most... The most efficient um, outdoor irrigation is in new commercial and in municipal infrastructure, where you see where you see water-efficient landscapes. Not as many in people. In, you see them in the new homes, but not in the old homes. So it's it's. So I remember. You know, it's, I, I remember years ago when I first met a friend of yours, Celeste Cantu, and uh, <laughs> yeah. she was talking. <laughs> and she was talking about that everybody should consider their 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 property a watershed and learn how to manage it correctly. And she was totally right. And <laughs> still stands still I, I stands out, today. I, I mean, I took out all my grass and, and and learned how to do it after I built the water, um, the, the water conservation demonstration garden out of Cal State. I thought to myself, you know something? I can't have, be having people come to the university and me giving tours of our beautiful demonstration gardens. And somebody's going to look at me and say, what do you do at home? And I go, yep. nothing. I have the gardener mow the grass. No, yep. I took it all out, every square inch. And boy, did I learn. So, we're, I don't mean to interrupt, but we're coming up to our uh, NBC News Hour that we have to back out of. Uh, oh, back, back up. Another dire come on your no, 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 no. <laughs> we, we appreciate that, and, and we love having you on. You give us so much information, and, and our listeners, we do sincerely appreciate that. Right, Chris? Anytime, you guys. Okay, thank you very much. You have a good week. Yeah, Chris, you too, and thank you so much. Enhance that. KCAA Loma Linda, 1050 AM, 106.5 FM, and now 102.3 FM.